Call the wizard. Ask him a question. Call the wizard. What's on your mind? Call the wizard hotline. Call the wizard. Any old time. Call the wizard. What do you want to know? Call the wizard hotline. Now. 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 How soon is now? Is now, now, or is it later? That's one of the fundamental questions we ask ourselves on this podcast. Because this podcast is a ritual, is in fact a magic ritual that spans time and space. It involves anyone and everyone who has ever listened to it or will ever listen to it. Perhaps millions of years after the human race has gone extinct and we're just little bits of data flowing through the vast nebula of information that is some galactic species we can't even comprehend. But for right now, we exist primarily as a podcast on platforms like Spotify and Apple, where if you want to really participate and help us out, give us an awesome review. That's just the little magic you can do for me in exchange for the magic I'm about to do for you. But again, what time is it now? When is now? For me, now is February 2nd, 2022, which happens to be Groundhog Day which happens to be a good day to talk about time because of the beloved Bill Murray comedy about what would you do if you were stuck for eternity in small town Pennsylvania? Now, fortunately, I'm pretty sure that I'm not stuck in a time loop, but then again, we'll see tomorrow. But for right now, I'm excited to do another one of these wizard hotlines. 2021, 2020, the last couple of years have been a wild ride. And the last year was especially wild for me as I took the leap and jumped into doing wizardry full time. So now I have the time to spend more time doing episodes like this. And I'm really excited to get into some of these questions, which go back as far as spring of last year. So if you called all the way back then and you thought I was never going to answer your question, well, sorry for the delay. And just remember, a wizard's never late. We just do things on our own time. Now let's get into the first question. Hello, is this thing on? Hello, wizards of the world and internet and space and time. And Devin, uh, my question for you would be, do you think that you do or have you ever contacted yourself in, in some, you know, weird symbolic way across time? Have you picked up a message left for yourself? by yourself in the future? Have you left a message behind to be found by a previous iteration of yourself? I, I It's just an idea I've been dabbling in recently, and I was curious to see if you've had any of that. Uh, also, excellent podcast. Hope to see you soon, bud. Thanks for the question, James. Have I ever left myself a message across time? Absolutely. I mean, I'm answering messages across time right now in this episode, but those are messages from you. For myself, I mean, if you go back and you listen to the very first episode of this podcast, I forget if it's in the recorded version or if it was just live, but I did a whole bit about that scene from Bill and Ted, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where they go back to steal the keys that the dad has been missing so that they can then use them. And I riffed on that because that was how I got that first episode together. I made a recording where it was me talking to the audience that was going to gather, asking them to send magic back so I could complete everything I needed to do to have an audience there to talk to. So I've always been fascinated by those time loops. I mean, 
for everyone that knows my wizard origin story, which again, you can find in that first episode, I do a lot of thinking about the way that time loops over on itself and the way that we collaborate with our past and future selves to move us in the direction that we want to go. But I think what feels most relevant to this right now was this year, or actually last year, as I was approaching New Year's, I was really drilling down on, okay, New Year's Day, I have all these things that I want to do. I want to get off to the races and get all this stuff done. And suddenly I took a moment and said, wait a minute, when am I going to celebrate the accomplishments of this last year? So much has changed. First and foremost, we survived a pandemic. That used to be dubious. I remember when the pandemic first hit and I was quarantined in New York. That was some post-apocalyptic shit. So the fact that we're living in a society that more or less functions, I mean, take a moment to take your hat off for that. And then at the same time, we just constantly, I think, are feasting on what's next on the to-do list and not taking a moment to feel full from the things that we've already done. So I had a moment as the new year was transitioning where I really stopped to send some magic back to those younger me's that had this crazy idea to be a wizard and had no idea where they were going to get wizard robes from or how they were going to put their wizardry out into the world. And I wanted to take a moment to just appreciate that I'm in the now where that's happening and I'm receiving magic from the future nows where something else is happening. I hope that answers your question. Let's take another call. Hi, Devin, or wizard, your eminence. Eminence? I'm not sure what the proper tag tag name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm a little out of it um, because the world is slowly opening back up uh, for time travelers out there. It's uh, currently 2021 in August, and the world is opening back up after this pandemic, and there's still pandemic happening. <laughs> um, there's a complete other new variant that's extremely dangerous that is out, and it's it's easy to feel gaslit a little bit by the media and seeing people out and about and social gatherings and all of this stuff. And I have been finding it so overwhelming, just actually overwhelm, I think, is the issue for me, because overwhelmingness, overwhelm, leads me into like a very depressive kind of stagnation, which is unhelpful in a lot of ways. But also I know at some point stagnation can be a very productive thing because it means you're resting. But I was wondering if you could help me maybe come up with a a spell or a ritual or something to help fight the overwhelm, to conjure some sort of overwhelm warrior, a Wilhelm the warrior versus the overwhelm, the terror or something. Anyway, um, I hope you're having a splendid day. You existing has made my reality not even just a little bit better, but a lot of it better. All right. Bye. To answer your first question, the proper honorarium title for a wizard is the right wonderful. So in a formal situation, you would introduce me as the right wonderful Devin person. But that aside, let's talk about overwhelm. What a word and what a word that defines what we're all going through. Not just in the pandemic, but just in reality at this point in time. Something as simple as picking out a box of cereal has become overwhelming. 
It's not just Cheerios versus Fruit Loops. It's do you want chocolate peanut butter flavor blasted Cheerios versus Mandarin orange Fruit Loops in sponsorship with the Beijing Olympics? Like it's bonkers the amount of choices that we're bombarded with all the time. Now, some of those choices are more or less frivolous. Paper, plastic, Mandarin orange Fruit Loops versus peanut butter Cheerios. It's probably not going to make a huge difference at the end of the day. But when we're trying to survive and figure out how to navigate a complex situation, that inundation of information is freaking overwhelming. So what do we do? Well, a couple of things. First, we have a very natural, normal human inclination to try and get more information. If we are confused, if we are trying to make a choice, more information is what we desire. We perk up, we scan around, we ask our friends. If you're shopping on Amazon, which you shouldn't, but people do. If you're shopping on Amazon, you get lost reading reviews for like 80 different items. And all you're trying to do is buy a piece of sandpaper. But you're like, oh, this guy said that it cut off his finger. And this other guy said it's the best sandpaper he's ever used. So like, oh, I don't know. What do I do? And so the first thing that you do is pull back and take a deep breath and recognize that In a lot of situations, you don't need any more information. In fact, trying to find more information can do a lot of harm. In the pandemic, we've seen this in two distinct modes. Both are rooted in anxiety, but manifest very differently. One is the more liberal anxiety response of I'm going to try and read all the science and all the articles and the New York Times opinion pieces and be the most informed about what I should do. Well, trying to keep up with science as it evolves is really daunting. Um, I'm not an epidemiologist. Is that the one that I'm looking for? <laughs> Immunologist. I'm not a disease doctor. And so trying to read white papers about the latest COVID research is not going to really help me all that much. And it's changing. We thought cloth masks were good. Then we're finding out that they're not that effective. And then we're finding out that, you know, it's an aerosol spray rather than it's something that you're going to get from touching um, an apple that someone picked up for you at the grocery store. I mean, we've been trying to keep up with a lot of new information. And so sometimes you can just take a step back, take a deep breath and just go with the flow, go with what kind of makes sense to you. But there's a problem there because the other strain of this is the Q anon conspirituality rabbit hole that a lot of people have gotten sucked down where they start with what makes sense to me, and then they go and find a bunch of information that not only confirms it, but deepens it and distorts it and takes them on a wild ride. So the solution in my mind to overwhelm is to seek whelm, not underwhelm, not overwhelm, just whelm itself. How can you be whelmed? And I think the best place to be whelmed is to reorient to the world around you. If you look around you, even if you're in a tiny apartment in a big city that's dealing with a pandemic, you're still in that tiny apartment. The particles of COVID are not literally banging down the door with a battering ram trying to push themselves into your esophagus. So what can you do in that space? The elite pedophilia cult that's trafficking children through Wayfair.com is not in your apartment either. I also don't think they're anywhere. I don't think that's real. I think that's an illusion. And the people that are talking the most loudly about it are the ones that have 
well-documented cases to child sex trafficking. So that's, you know, a whole other topic. But anyways, back to the nature of whelmed. We're so plugged into the whole wide world, it's hard to remember that we can just tune back into the world immediately around us. Who are the people that we're seeing? What are the objects in our space? What is something as simple as doing the dishes that we can use that does not give us way too much information and overwhelm us and is not just so boring that we're underwhelmed, but is that perfect amount of engagement that we could call whelmed. So I love your idea for a ritual and I think you've got the names and you're gonna figure out exactly how that ritual looks for you. But I think you could think of it as a needle that goes between underwhelmed, you're kind of running out of gas and overwhelmed, you're in the red, that engine's gonna explode. And just think about where that needle is and where are the beautifully mundane human life aspects that you can throw yourself into. Pet a cat, read a book, take a nap, whelm yourself. Hi there. Um, my name is Kate and I'm calling from Nova Scotia, Canada. My reason for calling the Wizard Hotline is just to ask your perspective on hope. So I know that um, I myself have had a really optimistic view of life uh, for you know my entire adulthood and maybe even some of my childhood, but um, the pandemic has really challenged my ability to have this sense that I've always previously had, that things are going to get better, that the world is always moving towards good. And my, my feeling or my concern is that um, things seem to have been bad for quite some time. Uh, so I guess uh, my query is your wizardly perspective on this. Thank you so much for answering my question. Thanks for calling, Kate. That's a fantastic question, and I think a one that a lot of us are grappling with right now. To quote a famous author, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the combination best of times, worst of times. Once upon a time, when I was a kid, I was really into reading this book by Larry Gonick that was called The Cartoon History of the Universe. It's like a three-volume set that is literally starts with the Big Bang, kind of races through the cosmos and dinosaur stuff and then gets into human history and is actually does a really good job of not just having the standard Egypt to the Greek to the Roman to the European like that straight line and has a lot of world history. And what you realize when you get that scope of world history is a lot of history was shitty fucking warlords fighting each other and the majority of people being feudal peasants just trying to deal with that. You're just trying to farm and eat and raise a family. And if there's not a drought or a plague of locusts, then the king's brother has returned from a foreign land with an army and is invading. And now you have somebody who wants to punish everyone and is going to cut off everyone's right arm in your community. And that sucks. So history is pretty brutal. And in recent time, We've had a lot of technological progress. We get to poop indoors. We get to have a refrigerator full of food, all of these conveniences. And we had a period of relative peace and stability if you just kind of concentrate on the Western democracies and middle class experience. And that has started to crumble, both from people realizing that that story was overly simplistic and looking outside of that and seeing, oh, right, we were you know, committed atrocities around the world the whole time. Globalization has not been good for everybody. Um, and because climate change is happening, there's a pandemic now, fascism is on the rise. There's a lot of things that like kind of buck that trend. So does 
the arc of history bend towards justice? Is hope really some fundamental principle that we can rely on? Or is it our wishful thinking and human imagination? I think it's somewhere in between. I think that hope is vital. If you don't have hope, then what are you getting up for? What are you doing? What are What is the chance that things are going to get better? But the assumption of hope that whatever we do, things will just keep getting better because we're going to invent better widgets and we'll figure out solutions to the problems and eventually we'll have this utopia that will just emerge on its own is a dangerous delusion that I think covers up a lot of the harsh realities that um, when we're trying to see the glass half full, we we overlook um, the emptiness that is everywhere. So for us right now, I think hope is important. It's something that we should cultivate as individuals, but in a larger perspective, that's not just things are going to get good tomorrow or next week or next election or whatever it might be. If you think about a tapestry, you know, a quilt with a bunch of different colors, there's points where the red splotch starts to fade into a green splotch. And if you were someone that lived in that little transition territory, you would have no idea what that meant. It used to be red. Now it's getting greener. I don't know. You pull further out, you get that wide view, and then you can see the picture that's on the quilt emerge. You can see the pattern. Humans have a very small view. Empires rise and fall. Civilizations change. The planet is changing. I mean, if you look at the whole scope of life, there was a point where we were, I mean, not we, but our ancestors, the single cell life, was poisoning the atmosphere by producing too much oxygen, which killed off all of the species that were uh, that didn't like oxygen and created a whole new world of species that did, which gave birth to life as we know it. So what comes after us? Is there some sort of machine civilization that will live happily in a warmer, wetter planet? Maybe. I don't know. I know that we're going through a transition. And so I think the place where hope really comes in is in our hearts and to connect back with what I said to the last caller, our immediate lives, finding the ways that we can have hope and create hope by making a difference in the lives of the people that we know, operating at the small scale rather than worrying about the larger scale that we can see, which is still so, 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 so much tinier than the true scale, which we can't really understand. So classic trick that everyone should do more of when you're having a bad day. When you're having not like a day where everything's going wrong, but a day where your mood is just off and you're just, oh, I don't know, I just feel bad. I'm just thinking about all the ways I'm bad and everything's bad and bleh. Text a nice message to someone you know. Not a message asking them to cheer you up. Just literally think, here's something I like about this person and I'm gonna send them a message that tells them I appreciate it. Fire off a handful of those and you really do start to feel better. It's, it's pretty impressive magic. It works quite well. So we can cultivate hope within each other, not by saying, just wait, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Things are going to get better. We don't know. And better really depends on people's perspective. Better for who? Better for what? Maybe it would be better if there was a bunch of violent revolutions right now, because then in 40 years, that would lead to a change that would be better for the whole planet even though it killed off a bunch of people in our generation. We just don't know. But we can help other people. And when we help other people, it kindles that hope and the spark grows brighter. And I think there's something in there. So I hope that was helpful.
Hey, Devin. Uh, my name's James, long-time listener. I think I've listened to every single one of your podcasts. Uh, so just wanted you to know that you've definitely had a positive impact. Uh, I know on many people I've been listening, but definitely for me. Um, one topic that, you know, I've been experiencing lately that I don't remember you getting too into, but I know you'd have an opinion on is dreaming, lucid dreaming, um, sleep paralysis, uh, all of which I experience a lot of, um, you know, I suffer more sleep paralysis than most people, um, and tend to, um, get attacked by, uh, they tend to be things flying at me, uh, running at me, attacking me, um, you know, the classic silhouette in the corner. At this point, I, I can, you know, cognitively uh, put it in there, but of course you wake up, you know, with your heart racing. Yeah, I've only met a couple people that experience it to the degree I do. Um, so just curious what your thoughts were about that. Okay, so for anyone out there who has never experienced sleep paralysis, here's basically what happens. You're either in a dream where you're just fully in a dream state, or at least how I've experienced it, you have kind of both awareness of some dream idea that's going on, but you are you feel like you're aware of the room. Uh, there can often be an experience of what's called invisible eyelids, where you feel like you can really see the room and what's around you, but you can't move. And a lot of the time when I've experienced, it's not just that I can't move, but it feels like I'm so tired that it's like moving through molasses. Like it's like when someone's trying to wake you up from a nap and you just feel so groggy and all you want to do is go back to sleep. And it just feels like a battle. Whenever I've tried to get out of sleep paralysis, I think about that scene from the first Kill Bill when Uma Thurman is escaping from the hospital and she's in that guy, the creepy nurse's pussy wagon, and she's looking at her toes and just willing them to move. So when I've been trying to get out of sleep paralysis and thinking about my feet, I'm just like, just wiggle your freaking toe. And once I do, it kind of lubricates everything and then I'm able to get moving again. Now, quick story. When I first started getting into chaos magic and the occult and was very, very excited about all of these things, I had my first experience of sleep paralysis. I was lying on a mattress on the floor next to my girlfriend at the time. And uh, the window was like above us, you know, just like a foot and a half above us. And I felt this presence kind of like an um, Evil Dead, you know, when there's the camera that's zooming around the woods and chasing people. It was like that kind of thing whooshed right up to the window and was staring in right over. And I thought I was awake and I could see it, but I couldn't move. So there was this face in the window right above me. And I'm trying to reach out and grab my partner and shake her awake and let her know there's this thing there. And then I suddenly actually more fully wake up and then there is no thing there. And then I like have kind of woken up my partner, but she's asleep and it was very confusing and I had no idea what was going on. Uh, this is a very common theme in sleep paralysis. If you Google image search it, you'll find all kinds of images of little chunky demons sitting on people's chest. There's a feeling of pressure on your chest that I guess comes with it too. And I think what's so fascinating about sleep paralysis is breathing is the doorway to the unconscious in a lot of ways. We unconsciously breathe. If you don't think about breathing, you still breathe, but you can consciously control it. It's sort of in possession of both teams. 
we have a stronger distinction of sleep is at night, being awake is during the day, and there's this, there's this distinction. But sleep paralysis is this very weird experience that kind of cuts across those and feels very otherworldly. It feels like you're connecting with a demonic entity or something. And so it's a naturally occurring phenomenon that seems like a pretty interesting thing that would have given rise to a lot of our ideas about demons and the other world and stuff. Um, if you want to just take a very grounded material like, oh, it's just weird sleep phenomenon. But being a professional hypnotherapist who thinks that unconscious trance sleep dream phenomenon explains a lot of weird stuff in a way that's not limiting, but is fascinating and opens us up to the magic in our everyday world and in our own minds. Um, yeah, I think sleep is so underexplored in the, the liminal spaces in between waking and dreaming that feel like a bit of both um, are some of the most magical things we can experience. So you weren't quite asking for a solution, but one thing that I would be curious in you trying is wake-induced lucid dreaming, wilding. And the basic idea is you wake up early, like 5 a.m., you hang out for an hour just to give yourself some time to like kind of fully wake up. Don't watch TV, just, you know, journal or read or do something chill. And then you go back to sleep at 6 a.m. And the way that I've done it is with a timer that's set to kind of random intervals. If you Google it, you can find um, things. But basically, it's like hitting snooze over and over, but not just every 15 minutes. It's like four minutes and then eight minutes and then 16 and then four and then 24. And then so your brain is never sure exactly when that alarm is going to go off again. What you're trying to do is you're trying to lay there in self-induced sleep paralysis. So you want to be still. There's the desire to roll over, which is sort of your body testing. Say, hey, are you awake? If you're awake, you'll roll over. You got to fight that urge. And then you'll start to experience these vibrations. I was blown away when I first experienced this. And then also, um, it can be like a buzzing in your ears or almost the sound of music. It's very strange feeling. And from there, if you want to have a quote unquote out of body experience, you try and lift out of your body. And the time that I did this successfully blew my mind. I was walking around in a world that was definitely not my actual physical world, but was very much more substantial and memorable and controllable than my standard dreams. So as someone who has had a lot of sleep paralysis, I'd be very curious to hear how it goes for you to try and intentionally bring it on and perhaps even work with some of these entities and fearful things that are coming at you. Um, give us a call back and let us know how it goes. Devin, hello, it's Jacob, your buddy up north. Uh, I am calling with for you as to how you resolve a chapel perilous kind of vibe when investigating something in my case, I'm looking at an energy medicine system, and the more I look at it, the more deeply ambivalent I get about it. I'm equally confirmed in uh, clues to its validity and effectiveness at the same time that I seem to be getting an equal amount of feedback uh, suggesting some of the problems and um, potential uh, fatal oversights within the system that would say, no, this isn't real. So uh, a reality test, unreality test, and they're both keep on coming back and not canceling each other out, but piling up. 
So that's why it gives me a travel perilous sense. Uh, yeah, your thoughts on that sort of thing would be very valuable and appreciated. And uh, hope that ramble is useful for you. Take care and Happy New Year. Fantastic question, Jacob. Thanks for calling in. This reminds me of what we just talked about a moment ago with overwhelm of that feeling of reading one star and five star reviews. Some people are saying this is poison. Other people are saying it's a miracle cure. Where do we figure this out? Like, how can we bridge such divided, strangely contradictory information? And I think it ultimately comes down to zooming out and looking at the context. So the first thing, which we should all get in the habit of just checking immediately with anything all the time, is follow the money. I mean, on Amazon, if you're looking at reviews that are insanely positive, those could be bot reviews. Those could be a network of bots that have been sent to pump this item up. How do we know? That's hard. But with other things where someone's telling you about this amazing information and how helpful this is and the system really is the answer and they're trying to sell you it, that's a very good clue to pay attention to. That doesn't mean that anytime someone is selling you something, it is therefore bad. But when all of the voices that are the proponents of it are the ones that stand to benefit financially, that's a pretty big uh, red flag. I think we've started to have the cultural conversation shift around NFTs to realize that a lot of the people that are hyping NFTs and purchasing NFTs for millions of dollars are people that run NFT crypto platforms. And the more that those things get pumped up, the more money they make. So maybe not the people that we should trust for all of our information on that. With an energy medicine system, I think it comes down to what is it doing for you? Again, we have a natural tendency to want to find solutions, to get excited about what I call spreadsheet magic, where everything fits into this and this corresponds to this. And, you know, Crowley's 777 is just a great example of that gone wild. Kabbalah and Gematria and all of that stuff. I mean, you go to the supermarket and there's those biblical code where every Bible word has somehow a number and then they figured out that it tells us when the world's going to end. We like to put things into boxes that makes us feel good. But at the same time, check it out for yourself and see if it truly makes yourself feel good. I had an experience when I first moved to Kentucky where my shoulder was wonky and I tried to go to a chiropractor and I really felt like they were selling me stuff. I felt like they weren't listening to me and they were selling me stuff. It was expensive and it was pushy and I wanted to overcome my skepticism. But then I had the epiphany of, no, your skepticism is speaking up for a reason. Like, listen to it. It's your intuition. Like, run away from these people. And I did. And I don't regret it. I think that was the right decision. And then years later, I broke my hip and I had to go see a, um, not a chiropractor, but a physical therapist and was able to get the treatment for my shoulder that really did help, that made sense, that was evidence-based, that felt a lot more compelling. So... I think keeping an open mind is good, but listen to your own warning system when something smells a little off. Look around and see if the people that are trying to tell you that those warnings aren't real or they're your own doubt getting in the way of your transcendence. Uh, stand to profit financially from the thing that they want you to do. And also just remember that everyone's experience is different. You know, like a product on Amazon might be exactly the thing that worked great for one person and fell apart after two weeks for somebody else. 
So even if you find the energy medicine system that works amazingly for you, I think it's also good to keep in mind that proselytizing is kind of projecting your experience onto other people and saying, when I got Reiki treatment, my gout went away. So therefore, if you have gout, you should get Reiki treatment. That might not be the right thing for that person. It's a combination of listening to your own intuition and looking for the obvious signs of people that are profiting off of whatever information they're trying to manipulate. Hello, Devin. This is Kate. Um, I was just listening to your third wizard hotline. And you said at the beginning, you just ordered the listener to call this number. And so I just looked it up in the description and I picked up the phone and I called it without even really having a question that I wanted to ask. And then one came to me. And so this is my question. Why are human beings so suggestible? Why does someone just say something to me or suggest that they're doing something and then all of a sudden I want to do it. Follow-up question, how do I start to suggest things to myself that I would actually like to do? Um, Yeah, and I just wanted to say I love you, dude. You're doing a great thing. I love listening to this podcast. I love your energy. I hope this message finds you well. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, Kate, thank you so much. I really appreciate the compliments and I want to be very clear that as a wizard, I would never order anyone to do anything. I might command someone to do something, but in this case, I'm pretty sure what happened was that I summoned your question. And so thank you for manifesting it. So now we can answer it in this moment. Suggestibility. What a fun one. As a hypnotherapist, this is one of the things that's at the core of the debate about hypnosis. And some people even say that hypnosis is nothing but suggestion and suggestibility. I think there's a little bit more going on there, but without getting too distracted, human beings are suggestible. The other part of hypnosis that we constantly have to reassure people that we're not evil and we can't command them to hand over their credit card information and become our our slave. But if you look at cults, multi-level marketing, advertising in general, politics, we're suggestible. We like to just have somebody say something and it just goes into our brain and we say, okay, that's the thing. And there's a reason for that. It helps us cohere as social animals. If we all couldn't take suggestion, we'd argue about everything and we would have died out a long time ago. So when you have a group of people trying to figure out where to eat and someone says pizza and other people go, oh, yeah, pizza, all right, let's go get pizza then you've saved yourself from arguing endlessly about pizza versus Chinese versus Korean versus that Italian place. Like it's it's good, but it gets bad when people learn how to not just suggest, but manipulate, control, order, and force us to do things. So how can we use suggestions for our own good while not just falling prey to the suggestions that everybody else makes at us all the time? In hypnosis, the idea is that you want to bypass the conscious mind um, because at a deeper level is where you really want to embed the suggestion. This dovetails quite nicely with what first got me excited about magic, which is the idea with something like a sigil where you need to consciously forget it because your conscious mind's kind of clumsy and will get in the way and just embed that sigil in your unconscious where it'll then manifest. So basically, it's like sliding a suggestion into the suggestion box that's going to be read and acted upon 
by your inner managers, I guess is where I'm going with that metaphor. So if you've ever heard of a guy named Emile Coué, who came up with auto-suggestibility. So he kind of was working in the realm of hypnosis, but then said, you don't need to do all of this fancy trance stuff. You can just repeat suggestions to yourself. And his famous one was, every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. So there's that idea of these aphorisms, these mantras, these things that you can do. I think a more interesting way to do that is to practice rewriting stories. A great way to do this is take a piece of paper and fold it in half and then write one paragraph or however much you can fit in that folded section just talking about the the thing that's going on. So I can't exercise. I keep trying to wake up and I sleep through my alarm and I just hate jogging so much and it's just so annoying and blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, write it out as you feel exactly like that. And then flip over to the next section of the folded paper and then write it differently. Write a different story. Exercise has been traditionally challenging for me, but I'm getting better every day at waking up when my alarm goes off and starting to go for a jog. And even if I can't jog very far right now, I know that I'm getting better and I'm really excited about whatever the things you are that you're excited about. So instead of just suggesting, which I think is so hard because we're bombarded with suggestions, it just, I don't know. If, if, if the magic trick was just repeat the words over and over to yourself and you can do it, um, I think the self-help book industry would be a lot smaller than it is today. But this practice of learning to rewrite is slightly more complex and it helps you identify what are the stories that you're telling yourself that are getting in the way of the things you want to do and what is the frame, the attitude that you can suggest to yourself through this action that will perhaps lead you in that slightly better direction. Yo, what's good? Uh, this is Buster. Got a question for the wizard. Um, I was just, uh, I've been studying the Kabbalah recently and, uh, in particular, the realm of, uh, net stock, uh, interests me, uh, in particular, the, the fey entities that reside, uh, within it. But, uh, it, you know, it seems like such, uh, you know, a, a vast fear, obviously that, um, I just, I didn't know where to get started as far as, you know, as far as, you know, names, incantations to use, sort of, you know, keys to visualizing them, or, you know, if there are, you know, different hierarchies, um, yeah, pretty much, uh, just whatever, whatever, uh, info or wisdom you have to, uh, you know, regarding that, so that'd be awesome. Uh, much love. Thank you. Peace. Wow, Buster, what an interesting question. Now, I'm not an expert in the Fae by any means, but pretty much all of the media I've encountered that discusses the Fae, they seem to be fairly malevolent. Um, Deals between humans and Fae rarely seem to go in the favor of the human. Uh, I guess it was like, I don't know, 20 years ago when that book came out, Dr. Strange and Jonathan Norrell, something like that. But it's all about a magician that makes a deal with the Fae and spoiler alert, it doesn't go well. They are just the classic sort of loophole, gotcha, monkey paw, bad deal entity as as far as we understand it. Um, obviously, you know, fairies got Disney-fied and we get things like Tinkerbell that are a lot more pleasant. So I'm curious of like, what sort of fay are you hoping to deal with? Because it seems like you want to go shop at the dollar store knowing that it's all trash and you're going to get ripped off. So why why bother? Like, I'm not going to go 
to the bar that advertises itself as the place that's going to identity theft you. But maybe, you know, maybe you've got a different idea of the Fae. And in that regard, I'm going to give you my classic postmodernisty chaos magic-y approach to magic in general, which is somebody else thought up the Kabbalah. I mean, a bunch of people thought up the Kabbalah. It was it was a group project over time where people said, oh, okay, I've thought about this idea and I came to experience this and I'm going to add that and some things got added, some things got taken away. So at least in my system of belief, I don't think there's a directory of fey entities that you can just dial up with these precise things. Um, whatever the fey were historically, if there was a period where the boundary between our worlds was more blurred and they were enticing travelers off the path in a very Neil Gaiman American God sense. I think they've probably had to evolve since then. You know, maybe maybe now they're running uh, Internet scams and telling you they're Nigerian princes and that's how they manifest in our world right now. I don't know. But I think what I would advise for you is to think about one, why are you interested in dealing with the Fae, especially if they're so notoriously tricksy? And if it's not the tricksy type of fae that you want to interact with, then start with your idea of the fae. If you close your eyes and think about fairies, what comes to mind? What is the top level of your own mental representation of fairies? Maybe it's Tinkerbell. Go from there. Set up an altar to fairies that you find good and more trustworthy and ask them. You know, they might tell you, please don't talk to anyone else. This is not a safe space for you. I don't know. But I would say start with what connects with you personally and then go out from there with caution. Uh, Because, yeah, I, I think the Fae seem to have quite a bit of disdain for meat space humanity. And it just never seems like a bargain that's really going to work out well. But, hey. Maybe you'll get unlimited gold and live for a thousand years and you can prove me wrong. So hopefully, hopefully that works out for you. Hi, Kevin. Uh, my name is Mar. I just wanted to express my gratitude for the podcast and just kind of helping me expand my view on magic and the world. Um, it's made so much of a difference. I just really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Mar. I want to thank you for expressing your gratitude and express my gratitude for you and everyone else who called into the Wizard Hotline. Now, I know that I didn't immediately record an episode at the exact moment that each of these messages came in and instead took my sweet time to pull this together, but I saw the messages and they meant so much to me. I'm here in my house, in my life, in my world, trying to thread the needle between underwhelm and overwhelm to find hope, to move myself through time and space and not make a shitty deal with a fey entity or accidentally sign up for a multi-level marketing scheme. And it makes so much of a difference in my life when I get to hear from you all. That's why I started the Wizard Hotline and that's why one of my favorite things of the last year was doing the virtual gatherings with our patron members. Um, that's a good time to plug the patron, patron.com slash this podcast ritual, yada, yada, yada. But anyways, it's amazing how gratitude can make such a huge difference. I went to an event the other weekend and I saw the people that were putting it on and they, you know, they don't look stressed or upset or anything, but I just thought to myself, I've put on events. I know how much work that that takes. And so two days later on Monday, which 
if you've ever put on a big event, there's that slump where you have to restart the week and the high of doing it kind of fades and you kind of hit a little bit of a lull. I sent them all a message to just say, hey, that was really cool and I appreciate it. Here are the things that I appreciated because I know when I've done those events, that was what I was craving is that little bit of gratitude, that little bit of connection. So even if it seemed like a small thing for any of you to just take a moment, even if you didn't know why you were calling this hotline, thank you so much. It means the world to me. It helps my world feel like a more magical place. And I'm so excited to continue connecting with you all as whether the world goes up or down, our magic will get slightly better. All right. And that's Wizard Hotline number four, y'all. Bam, bam, bam. Maybe I have an editor now. Thanks, Michael. So maybe we'll have some uh, air horn effects that actually work instead of just me going, bam, bam. We'll see what Michael does. Don't edit out the part where I'm talking about you, Michael. Just edit in some cool stuff in the background here. You get to have fun. Happy birthday! If you want to call the Wizard Hotline, it's 860-415-6009. Call now. Call tomorrow. Call in the future. Call in the past. I'll already have answered your question because that's how magic works. Call the hotline. Leave a message. It might change your world. And it will certainly change mine. Let's hear that incredible theme song from Lunchbox one more time to play us out. Until next time, I'm your wizard, Devin Person. I believe in you. Your magic is freaking amazing. Call the wizard. Ask him a question. Call the wizard. What's on your mind? Call the wizard hotline. Call the wizard. Any old time. Call the wizard. What do you want to know? Call the wizard hotline now.